0: hi Podcast with Darren and Duncan. I'm Duncan. I'm Darren. And this week we've got, uh, as usual, awesome episode. Uh, this one's going to be just a little more techie, um, but we as audiophiles, Darren, my partner as a engineer, um, one of our goals is to try to distill some of the headier stuff as it relates to the audiophile hobby um, and make it a little more easy to understand um, today's topic about gain bandwidth product of amplifiers is an interesting one to me because in, in, in general, I'm, I'm kind of uh, in the dark. I'm not sure exactly how that relates to my amps and my system. Um, so Darren's actually going to take an opportunity to, uh, to help explain that um, yeah, as an amplifier designer. Darren, of course, uh, senior analog design engineer for PS Audio. And uh, and a very experienced amplifier designer. And uh, as, as we've talked on this podcast, the amplifier speaker relationship is very important to um, a synergistic product or a synergistic result in your listening room. And so uh, this is a topic I'm very actually excited to um, hear about. And I'll try to ask some questions. But uh, this one will be uh, kind of Darren taking the reins at the end. As we always do, let's start out with checking in with each other. Um, Darren, what's been going on with you lately? And before I let you talk, I'm going to say I'm really proud of my buddy Darren, whose uh, amplifiers, his M1200 amplifiers for PS Audio, were just named Product of the Year by The Absolute Sound. And I know you were going to say that, I just... (laughs) I wanted to say it about you. So thank what's, you. Go,
1: what's been going on with you? Thank you. Uh, besides that.
0: Yeah. Um, well
1: I was, uh, I was just gifted some amazing, uh, Amprex tubes. What? Yeah. By uh, a friend named oh, Duncan. Interesting. So, <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, buddy. We Merry just, Christmas. uh, we just did a bunch of listening with, uh, various, uh, six DJ eights in, uh, my two systems. Right. And, um, what were the two Amprexes that we were listening to? Well, do you remember, right.
0: so listeners to last week's podcast heard that I brought over a pair of tubes that were uh, Amperex Bugle Boys from, and, and in the time since I've learned a bit more about date codes than I can date them in their early 60s Amprex Bugle Boy tubes, but the problem was we couldn't get them to work in any of your pre- systems, Right. And they worked in my preamp. So I'm thinking, well, there's, there's gotta be something going on. And, uh, but, but, uh, you know, we tried and tried last time. Um, so both of these are, uh, so I brought over two sets this week. Um, I, I, well, once I got the pair that we were talking about last week to work in my system, I immediately ordered, uh pair of Bugle Boys from uh, Brent Justine Recording and Supply, audiotubes.com. Uh, great guy, Brent. Very knowledgeable. That website is full of information. Um, but when I uh, brought them home and started burning them in, actually, as I bought them, I was thinking about giving them to you for a Christmas present because hmm. I was enjoying what I was hearing, and we couldn't get them to work in your system. And I'm thinking, gosh, <laughs> how do we do this? And so uh. ordered a pair um, Brent recommends 48 hours of burn in. So I, uh, I start burning them in and, uh, and I'm going to, uh, l- let you take over again cause this is what's mm-hmm, about you. Mm-hmm. But I, I immediately noticed in my Dunlavy system at home, there was something that just, um, there was a lot of the character of what I was enjoying about these tubes that wouldn't work in your system in these new, in this new set but it wasn't all there. And I, kept, and I went back and forth and I gave him 40, 50 hours or something, oh, 40, 48 hours, like he said. And, uh, it was getting closer, but there was just something going on. Um, something missing. It, it wasn't a lot. It was just some, some attack, some, some realism at the, at, you know, I'd say at the top end or something like that. So, uh, coworker, uh suggested that perhaps your tube sockets had some oxidation or i mean you you had yeah when i said uh i think it's your sockets man like i don't know why that was insulting offended yeah i was i was offended i don't know why i was like clean my own sockets yes i can't keep it clean man but uh now you're you're tube explorer and and you know you put a lot of old things in, in old tubes in those sockets so you know some stuff could go above i don't know i don't know about that i don't know about that um so but anyway <clears throat> so i got these tubes so i brought over both pairs tonight so one pair that and, and then after you know reading a lot and learning about them i i learned that the initial pair that i had were earlier bugle boy tubes from amperex from the hurling holland factory very Mm. important um made in hurling holland there's a special symbol it's a kind of a reverse equilateral triangle um, that identifies them but these were all from the same factory just it looks like um about four years (laughs) apart maybe in in the way in the time that they were um made that's all i know Let's let's kick it off to you. I brought both pairs over tonight and an X-Acto knife and two bottles of deoxit. You did. You did. And, and I worked on them and you didn't clean a single socket. I didn't clean your sockets. Nope. <laughs> um
1: so uh what yeah, it's an interesting story because uh we first tried it on the Dunlavy system in the main room and we listened to the first pair of tubes which were Which were
0: the new ones that I had bought that that right. were tightly matched and actually yeah. this guy kept the dates close. He is yeah. enough that he they're both from nineteen sixty four, I believe.
1: And it was better than the nineteen seventy gold pin amprex that I had in there. Yes.
0: Seven three oh eight. Yep.
1: And uh yeah. Really nice sound. Then we moved to the the, the ones, earlier that, ones yeah the earlier ones
0: uh, so while we were listening to this and you were like these are good tubes i was like just yeah. you wait and i'm scraping scraping yeah, scraping yeah
1: and right right like right when i first heard it right away i mean well uh, first
0: of all they worked
1: they did they did work this <laughs> finally time. yep yes um and so you know the right away the mid range stood out yeah as having a depth and a sweetness to it um with this like integration into the top end that was just phenomenal yeah um where you know the tweeters absolutely disappear and also the emphasis on the you know pick hitting like strings for instance you could instead of it just being a single stroke across all the strings you could. Hear each individual string being plucked or <laughs> being hit at one time. On a chord, yeah, yeah, uh, right. Um, yeah, hyperrealism, but musical, yeah. musical, really musical lovely. with good weight, good musical weight, mm-hmm. um, not bloated or not um, overly like phonically warm, um, but but just definition and realism uh, with with weight and body and flesh. Flesh on the Bone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed them. Uh, and what's odd is that then we're like, okay, let's listen to them on the Wilson system. So we go to the den, listen to them on the Wilsons, and um, and we were not liking the sound not of good. the earlier tubes.
0: Not good. Yeah. And you know, I'd, I'd uh, yeah. put these in boxes and wrote reference tubes do not throw away just because i need to like you know I, when i bring these back i'm not going to listen to them all the time because you know i want to kind of save that experience mm-hmm. and uh for for reference listening and um uh, and to think that that once we put them into your wilson system mm-hmm. i didn't like neither of us wanted to listen to no, it. no it was yeah it was not happening wow you know, it was bright, and... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then... Uh, and so then I, uh, a light bulb went off in my head. Well, originally, I was planning to give these tubes that I just ordered to you for a Christmas present. And as I'm ordering, I'm like, should I order another pair? And I might, but um, I might not, just because these older ones work better on my Dunlavy system at home. Yeah. Um, so I brought those over to the Wilsons, and...
1: They sound amazing on the Wilsons. Like magical. Um, yeah, better than the Tongues Ram Seven DJ Eight, which is a tough one to beat. I've, actually, mm-hmm. I've never found a tube to beat it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and wow. and this is better than that. And you so, see, you see Darren's tube piles around here. There, yeah, it's impressive.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a problem actually. <laughs> There's so many darn tubes around in this house. That you got to watch out. Um. But, uh, but yeah, these, these are really amazing tubes. Uh, if you, if you use six DJ eights, I could highly recommend trying some of the Amprex stuff.
0: So, um, uh, getting actually into exactly what I ordered from audio tubes. Yeah. Yeah. I ordered the butt ugly and that's what he calls them because the, the labels are rubbed off or missing or... Mm -hmm. There might be they're they're the same tubes at the same era, but there might be branded something else um, because that happened a lot. Amperex made so many tubes for so many people, and they also made tubes for several brands: Valvo, R slash T, um, you know, a number of things. And they're the same tube. And so, mm. you know, for those who I guess look at their tubes in their preamp, you, you might want that classic Bugle Boy logo. Um, visible, but I didn't care. So, uh, it's a great value actually uh, when you go to audiotubes.com look for the butt ugly section and and he's uh, still got a number of these in in stock. So, great, great tube for this system. Um, good tube for the other system just not, not as, not as good as the other one. Yeah. But- it, it has a scratch <clears throat> in our heads. You know, there's differences between your two systems. So, we mentioned um and I think we've got pictures of both Darren systems on our website www.dhifipodcast.net uh on the systems page they're comprised of different elements there's a lot of simil- there's some similarities in electronics they both have the same preamp but one is is uh slightly modified by you cuz you could um we don't know what it is you know um <clears throat>
1: It's similar to, like, cooking in a way that, you know, you you can mix flavors and sometimes you could, like, envision what that end flavor will be between, like, two different spices. But it creates kind of, like, something new. Yeah. You know, something completely different. You know, it's kind of, like... Um, it's kind of like colors in a way that you know mix two colors and and it creates a completely different color and sometimes it's surprising what color comes out of it when you're first learning about you know uh, the color chart and how they're how colors mix um, and and it's it's similar in audio. What I found is that you can't always predict a based off of oh I know that what this tonality brought like this component what kind of tonality it brought to that system and then to bring it over to a new environment and to say, oh, it's going to do this in this different environment and it's just not true. Yeah, um, You get like a different outcome. You get a different product out of it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what, what it is. It, like, sometimes we simplify it and we we think about synergy in this really overly like simplistic way um yeah. without thinking of the complexity
0: and in, in the products that you can get out of it right we think about synergy as as two stationary things and and they're mixed together is a is one color well no maybe not and it's usually more than just two things it's you know that's an oversimplification any audio system is a collection of many elements yes yeah, you know, I wrote about this today exactly, mm. which is funny that you mentioned cooking because I started talking about um, the current trend in restaurants and the um, a little bit more rustic and uh, kind of you know um, following the Scandinavian comfort kind of thing the um, the farm to table with expert small scale gardening and um, and the you know creation of of the best ingredients and that kind of thing and that movement was. Uh, was kind of an evolution from really the last twenty years fascination of scientific cooking, which is known as molecular gastronomy, which was <clears throat> the the brainchild largely of uh, Ferran Adrià of uh, El Bui in Spain, uh, where your my friend Colin um, actually worked as a stagier and um, and had a just incredible experience over a year living in Rothas, Spain, as you would say. And, uh, and working in El and, um, but none of this would have been possible without the groundwork of Heston Blumenthal, who is a, um, I believe British, uh, chef and, um, his whole thing was the discovery of flavor combinations that were unique or surprising or, uh, unexpected and, um, and he created charts. I mean, he, he, I mean, he really diagrammed and, and, uh, and documented his explorations in these combinations of flavors that produce new flavors that you never would have thought. Um, and it's a great parallel mm. For, mm. for talking about synergy with audio. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I,
0: I like that. I like that.
1: Yeah. But, it's kind of the, um, the, the... Another way I can put it is like the alchemy and the chemistry.
0: Mm. yeah
1: you know because um Alchemy. you know it, in 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 chemistry you can have you know two different uh compounds that create a completely new compound because mm-hmm. they react and a, a new a new product yeah. yeah
0: they might react in a way that
1: yeah and, and so it's, it's kind of similar to that you know and and then the The alchemy is the um, kind of all of the series elements that kind of add into this, into like some sort of concoction that works. Hmm. That's the way I put that. I love it. Um, Trying to make and and so you know it's a complex thing, and um, that's what makes it interesting. I think if it was always predictable, it would be a lot less interesting. It's
0: almost like. As the months go on, we, we spend more time before we start, even start the podcast with, with this yeah. like intricate listening and I bring over stuff and we just, mm-hmm. we do this chem- chemistry and alchemy, uh, cause, cause it's fun. It grows yeah. our, ourselves as listeners. Yes, it does. It of course is a way for us to connect as audifile buddies. Yeah. So this is, you know.
1: Yeah. And you, you, uh, you have to continue to listen um if you stop listening you could be um top of your game listening wise and if you just stop for a few months you're going to
0: lose a lot of it and we're talking about um audiophile listening like close listening to subtleties observing nuances identifying them in vocalizing them to a degree and uh and being able to pinpoint
1: yeah, but also just, like, enjoying a system. Well. I mean, it's crazy how important point that real basic element is in, for instance, our industry as far as, like, working in it. Mm, okay. You know, right. just s- simply just enjoying a system. I mean, even as far as a mastery engineer goes, like, yep. you know, what about you know, listening and enjoying a good system. It's really important. It just exercises. Yeah. Your,
0: your mind keeps me sharp for mastering jobs. Yeah. It's, it's about the mind, which I got another one tonight on email. So that's exciting. Nice. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, on that note, uh, what's going on with you?
0: Uh, I mean, same stuff, you know, I, I went through that tube experience. Uh, I'm, excited to say that my buddy's amplifiers so i already said this but i'm just so <laughs> proud i'm so proud m1200s thank you product of the year the absolute sound no less you know no big deal you know <laughs> have you heard of that magazine is it Do they sell that still no it's it's so incredible so um thank you yeah i'm i'm proud but uh what i've been up to has been fun i um I work for the music room, uh, tmraudio.com. I am, am largely these days a writer and a reviewer. And, um, and one of the things I was writing about was exactly this, but it was, it was a way, um, if you're on our email list, if you're not actually head to our website down at the bottom, there's a a place you can sign up. And, uh, if you're signed up by tomorrow at about 10 AM mountain time, probably you'll get this email, um, where I, I talk at length about, about this, about the culinary stuff and, and, uh, and the synergy, but because it's leading to, um, a video series that I've been developing called synergistic setups. And, uh, the music room has, you know, gosh, we, we probably sell a thousand pieces of gear a month of, of the best used hi-fi audio. Um, we've got an incredible staff that, um, you now cleans it up, presents it, fixes it if there's any issues. And, and we just, um, we're kind of experts in this stuff. And when you look at the used market and, and think about that kind of reach possible, you, you can start to imagine that over time, if we've got ears, we, we hear everything. We hear everything across all brands, across all decades. And, uh, and as a audiophile in the testing department, as I, as I was, I just would kind of, you know, put things together, maybe test two things at once, um, test my theories about these two pieces of gear that might work. You find some synergistic setups, some synergistic pairings that, that are really kind of special. One that I particularly remember that is so unconventional, like anybody that buys YG Acoustics Sonya 1.3 mega speakers, would never in 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 the world pair them with a pair of um, solid state technology Ampzilla two thousand black amplifiers. Now I spent a week with these speakers um, because we needed to uh, get a hold of a, a couple footers, and they're so heavy I didn't want to move them. And I just started rotating amps uh, in and listened to different things. Uh, para. 1960s macintosh tube monos para you know uh class a mega solid state amps and the ampzilla was really fun and probably my choice if i was ever going to go that route but the price the prices are so disparate that you would never pair them if you were an owner of one or the other Mm. and so you get these unique opportunities Mm. to kind of try stuff Mm. well um so this video series We just released the fourth um, video in the series, and it's all about a desktop system that you showed me many years ago um, that's Mm. always stuck in my mind, Mm. and we talked about it not too long ago because I had it set up in my house because I was shooting this video. Well, video's edited. Video's actually out on YouTube. If you go to TMR Audio's uh, YouTube channel, you can go watch it. But uh, I basically discuss uh, what I consider... I think what you consider the, the, the finest desktop audio setup that's, that's about, you know, turnkey and easy path to reference sound at your desktop as you can get. And, uh, yeah. Right. I mean, it is. So we we mentioned a few episodes back. It features the Harbeth P3 speakers. Um, and you had the whole experience of getting to know, hanging out at my desktop for a little while, uh, the, the new model and and everything it can do but i won't give too much more away uh just so folks might watch the video because really proud of it so that was a big deal for me this week um but yeah that that email it's so funny that you talk about cooking because i just went totally in that direction this morning and and uh went all about it so that and the and the tube listening is up all it is with me so yeah it was congrats a
1: good on the video man it's it's Thanks. a great video and um yeah we have a lot of experience with that system as you mentioned and uh it's something that uh, those speakers they really they they convey um a tonal accuracy yeah that is that is quite startling compared to other speakers you know it's just something about the way that they present tonality and the sound stage as you as you mentioned um you know, it, it's kinda
0: unmatched. I I that's you know, that's in, why I kinda say in the video I mentioned a bunch of contemporaries of yeah. that speaker, but And then
1: there's something like you, you you mentioned how there's um something that they do that a lot of floor staining speakers don't do. No. And and you're you're absolutely right. Uh there's some aspect to the sound that headphones don't have and big systems big expensive systems don't
0: have right uh there's something right about it and and there and and I'm glad you mentioned headphones because i i think i mentioned this here weeks back but i put a non-audio file in front of it and that's the first thing he said this is like this is, and he was sitting four feet away from the speakers or maybe you know four and we talk about you know Closer you get, the less room for influences. There's something amazing about these things to reach way back behind yeah. you and envelop you. You know, mm-hmm. in the way that you would want a good headphones pair of headphones to, but they just can't because the the headphones have that direct into the ears kind of thing, and this still retains some of that presentation in front, some of that presentation right. all around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway,
1: yeah. Unless you get into some heavy DSP, you're not gonna you know have that kind of effect with headphones
0: yeah and even then I yeah and then it's, it's not they're the just magic oh they are yeah so yeah that was that was a good week um cool stuff going on and uh lots to happen and uh okay let's get into our next segment uh our question segment now if you missed our last week last week was all questions we always appreciate questions um they are a way for our listeners to share album recommendations we've been getting a lot of those lately actually and our first question isn't a question it's a recommendation a couple recommendations um and so we're excited to share that but um yeah if you've got an audiophile question an audiophile tip um or an album recommendation or just a joke or you want to you know just say thanks uh for the podcast or or Oh uh, yeah, us a little bit. We got we got chastised a little bit for, for not uh, not providing something when uh, we had a guest recently. But, uh, but we'll take it. Uh, yeah, yeah, jokes are always welcome. Jokes are very welcome. Yeah, our email address is hi-fi at outlook dot com. So uh, very hard to remember, but uh,
1: criticism it's-, uh, it's not welcome.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: You you better better. not send criticism.
0: Yeah, or or else you better be right. You know, you better be right. Right, 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 right. right. So our first question this week comes from uh, Matthew. And um, Matthew doesn't say where he's from, but we will, let me just dive right in here. Hi, Darren Duncan. And it's not a question again, it's it's an album recommendation. I came across your podcast when I was bored at work one day. I listened to podcasts all through my shift and definitely learned a lot from you too, so thank you. I came across two songs which I think you'd both enjoy. I gave attached photos below of them. I haven't been into hi-fi too long, only since I was 14, and I'm now 17, he says in parentheses. But I've been able to save up money, and my system has a Rega P1 Plus turntable, a Cambridge Audio CXA 81 Amp, and monitor audio bronze two speakers. And I recently started using a laptop for playing music into the amps internal DAC. I hope you enjoy the songs and the albums, uh, that they're from sincerely, Matthew. We had to read that because yeah. I'm just so excited to see somebody get bitten as early as I did, you know? Yep. Me too. I might've been a little, uh, earlier. My grandfather was really pushing it on me young and, and I, mm. I, I ate it up, but, um, but Matthew is is beyond where I was. I've always done the I've, I've never been good at say or I wasn't good at saving money when I was, was his age. So oh, I, it yeah. was always still DIY stuff or cast offs from the the church my dad worked at or et cetera. Mm. And so um, it's always had kind of like hodgepodge things. But I had I had some good sound. I'm I'm um let's see at age 14. I, I did build my first uh, nine foot cubic nine cubic foot dual folded horn uh, subwoofer. So it's not bad. That did happen. It wasn't good because I wasn't allowed to use the circular saw. So I did it all <laughs> with a jigsaw nice. and my angles were bad. So I had to like putty everything up to the wazoo, but okay. I made it work. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't, I
1: didn't have a, a, a really great system when I was 14, but by, by the time I was 16, I had uh, something pretty pretty decent.
0: Yeah. Um, now, was that see, when I you just, were mowing uh, lawns to get your uh, Sony?
1: No, you know, it was around when I was 14, actually. No, it was. I got my first SACD player when I was 14. Right.
0: Yeah. From mowing lawns, right? Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Grass money. I, I um, just... In the good way.
0: That's why we had to read this. It, it really connected with us. Matthew's yeah. on a dangerous path. Just wait, Matthew, when you're our age, you'll be so deep into it. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> But this system is awesome,
1: yeah, it's an awesome system man yeah. and and just stick with it, you know, and uh there's something that uh drew you to this, yep um, and something you feel when you listen to uh your system and um always like keep that close to you, follow that yeah and and uh and never let uh someone tell you otherwise, you know yep. um. Uh don't let them tell you what you hear um always trust like what you hear mm. and and Arnie Nudell of uh infinity he he taught me that mm. um you just gotta you know you you're in this for a reason and you're 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 at this point for a reason so uh you know stick with it yeah, you
0: know and thanks for writing, okay, so he's got a couple recommendations, one of which I am familiar with um i'm going to share the album uh this one's called lost ships the album is and it features a number of guys um you can find it by searching rob luft l-u-f-t and lost ships i know that that is lost ships as in you know sea going vessels i i know that's on kobuzz because i um enjoy that uh album as well his favorite track is i'm a fool to want you on that one so that's a good one and then, um, the other one, it's hard to read, but it's Petra Magoni. Um, and you can find it, it's called, the album's called, uh, Musica Nuda. And, uh, I think you can find it by looking up Petra Magoni, M-A-G-O-N-I. And his favorite track is Eleanor Rigby. Great Beatles mm. cover on that. Um, didn't get a chance to listen to that. I'm going to listen to that. A little bit later and add that to my my library but thank you matthew for writing keep it up follow this this uh this thing that led it's, you here it's passion yes. Get, stick with it it's good okay our next question um comes from dean giacchino from wixom michigan dean writes hey guys love your podcasts I've been an audiophile guy, um, maybe not as intense as many others, and this year I finished my basement and finally bought what I consider is the pinnacle of my journey. Excellent. I have a B&W in a combo home theater listening living room, but my new two-channel system in my new finished basement is the following. Uh, His speakers are Focal Canta number 2 speakers. I love those, by the way. Have listened to a good many of those Mm. um we had a chance there is there's one finish that that didn't sell as well as other finishes that actually all of us thought were really cool it's like a taupe and a wood finish but um we ended up with with a bunch of those and then uh sold quite quickly to our customer base at, Mm. at the music room um, but I listened to those, and they're killer speakers. I just love the the cantas. they're they're just a little more forgiving than the Soper series mm. you know the Soper series is their reference series, as you yeah. imagine yeah and the contas are just uh, just a touch more fun you know cool. uh killer yeah.
1: yeah nice.
0: His amplifier is musical fidelity m eight um I'm guessing that's uh monoblox and uh his streamer is. A cocktail audio X forty five streamer slash DAC, um, and then he's got a Panamax uh, power conditioner, and he's using Rune, uh, using both Cobas and Title. I like to use both Cobas and Title in Rune. It's like between the two, you're almost you're always going to find whatever you want, and they're both exceptional quality. Yep. Uh, writes Dean. I absolutely love the soundstage and quality of the equipment. I'm using all standard OOB power cables and nothing special 12-gauge speaker cable. I have no room treatments, but I do have a carpeted room with 9-foot ceilings. My question is, I'm debating on getting a tube amplifier, but wondering before I do that, should I invest in cables first? Uh, I'm sorry, I was trying to type. Thinking of a tube amp just to get a different kind of sound out of the Conta's. I will probably do everything at some point, but looking for your suggestions on the next steps of my journey. Okay, that's important. He is thinking about approaching maybe all of these things. Um, I am thinking of doing upgrades on a yearly basis, so just wondering what your thoughts on cables or tube amp or what. If cables, knowing what equipment I have, I'm wondering what brand of cables or or what tube amp you might suggest I look into. Thanks, uh, Dean. So, um, without, um, without, well, let's see, how do we, how do we, what was yours and my first, first um, inclination? What are the first thing that we looked at?
1: Yeah, it's that I, uh, I don't think cables are the right move here because it sounds As the first move. Sounds like, yeah, as the, yeah, as the first move, because it sounds like something fundamentally is not correct. And when something is fundamentally not correct, I don't
0: recommend, you know, turning your eye to the cables. So he's thinking about a different sound. He didn't really enumerate or explain, well, I want the body.
1: You want a tube amplifier, which means I want a different sound. That's, yeah. Right? You're, you're. You're like I want to change lanes here, and yeah, you know, cables are really a dialing in and an optimization of what you already have. Mm-hmm. It's not really, you know, they're not really a great method to change lanes. Um, they're just to optimize the lane that you're in. Um, so, I I would, you know, if you're if you're just not happy with what you're you're currently your, your current overall sound is, and you're thinking to go from a solid state amplifier to a tube amplifier, you know, the, I don't know if cables are really going to take you where you want to go. I think the, you know, the gut instinct here, which is to move to a tube amplifier is maybe what you need to chase. Mm -hmm.
0: We also noticed there's no preamplifier in the mix. So it right. looks like you're using That's a cocktail. That's another big
1: thing. And yeah. you can use a solid state amplifier and then use a tube preamp to get the sound that you want. Absolutely. And you will get tube-ish sound out of that combo with solid
0: state control over the loudspeaker, which mm-hmm. is my top recommendation, by the way. And you can roll tubes just like we were doing tonight right i mean i think our episode on preamps recently which was yeah. i think two amps episodes ago really yeah, we, we touched on that really or, relighted our own yeah. fire of of te- i know for me of checking out the spices in the rack we called it yep. the spice of the audio system yep um and you
1: know what even a great solid state preamp active preamp adds something yes oh absolutely over doing something passive like this
0: in those kind of realms that body and the kind of the things you might think about on a from a tube amp yeah yeah good preamp and just getting extra extra oomph from that from that DAC streamer uh to the amp could could totally change the character of your system completely um yeah I uh yeah I would
1: recommend um my top recommendation would be to go with a a nice tube preamp that has some sort of common tube in it, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, common tubes uh, for preamps. There are like three that come to mind. Um, the top one is the uh, 6DJ8 or the 6922. Yeah. 6DJ8,
0: that- 6922, 7308. Those are all the same yeah. tube. Just yeah. To- and that, that's
1: like the, um, probably one of the more popular types of preamp tubes and then there's the 12 au7 which is another nine pin tube that's common in preamps Mm -hmm. Uh, that's another you know a tube that you can chase for for preamps and then there's the uh, my actual personal favorite which is the uh six sn7 yeah which is an eight pin octal uh slightly larger tube uh larger uh heater uh, current consumption on it. And uh, those are actually some of the most linear uh, tubes ever made for a line level. Mm. Okay. So lowest distortion without any sort of degeneration on the tube uh, is the 6922. Or uh, that's not true. Uh, <coughs> yeah, <was>. The 7. 6SN7. <laughs> six six, 6SN7. Six yeah, the octave. Uh Yeah. So that's actually uh, one of the um, one of my favorites. Um, that tube, uh, uh, great example of a, yeah. tu-
0: uh, a preamp, a very common preamp that uses those a quad of them. Actually, is the shit Freya, uh, tube preamp uses four of those. Yeah, yeah. So um, carry audio loves those too.
1: Yep, that's true. Yep. Uh So you know, finding some preamp that has a common tube is nice because then you have tons and tons of tubes to select from of the same type Um, so you could get all sorts of different brands of the for instance 6DJ8 and listen to all the different uh, sounds that all those different uh, tubes have
0: it's just such a big differences yeah it's massive
1: yeah, And a lot of the tubes aren't even that, you know, expensive. Some of them are. And what's great is that, you know, out of those, some of them are kind of like overly inflated because they're, you know, they're just uh, really like flavor of the month or they're some, you know, someone hyped them and they went way up in price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are some tubes that are expensive that sound freaking amazing. Like the Amprexes that we were talking about. Very expensive tube. But there are also like gems to be found that aren't that expensive. And then there are tubes that really will be synergistic with your system that are not that expensive as well. Um, One thing that I will say is that generally across the board, and this just comes from someone that has you know, I have like decent amount of experience with preamp tubes. I will say that you know, new old stock tubes are generally just, they're just better than current production. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that that's like a generalized statement that I kind of feel comfortable with. I, I mean, do too.
0: You know, a lot of... It's also a little sad. Yeah. It's just like a well, locked it, supply that's just sort of going to dry up at some point.
1: Yeah. It's right. also not surprising because, you know, um, a lot of these tubes were actually designed for military use. mm you know you compare that to what they're designed for today which is like guitar amps yeah you know it's a Great little point. little different oh as far as like requirements different for needs. quality yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh yep. you know um having that that flavor selector as your preamp and then choosing proper amplifiers that can control your loudspeaker meaning that they have low output impedance and they have uh high current output capability and uh, our low distortion um, and also perhaps are you know, efficient, like they're not some huge Class A amplifier that's going to just be, um, you know, guzzling hundreds of watts at a time. Um, All of this can kind of, I think, kind of give best of both worlds uh, and it's just personally, my favorite combination is the solid state amplifier with the tube preamp. Hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, hybrid. Oh, no. Uh, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, just... We're talking about separate. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I was going to... Sorry. I was just thinking um, the thing about 12 AU7s that I wanted to add is that of the 12 volt tube family, input tube family, it's got by far the lowest gain in that tube. So it strikes me that a lot of circuits that you might find that would have that tube are almost conscious decisions by the designer to not kind of try to maximize signal-to-noise ratio but perhaps build a better circuit to, to take advantage of the fact that this tube has a low gain profile or a low mu, as you would say. Um, you know, I, I remember Arnie talking about Uh, that as as one of the reasons he chose the au7 as as you know to work in his and bascom's actually it's bascom's preamplifier but everybody knows arnie and he kind of tag-teamed on it uh to in the voicing at least and um yeah i remember that was that was something important to him to use the low gain
1: yeah well what's nice about it is if you don't need the gain like a 12 ax7 has you know it's a high gain of mu. it's a high mu tube yeah so uh in like a phono preamp that's kind of nice because you you need high gain but in a preamp and the line preamp what you'd have to do is you'd have to apply something called um localized uh degeneration to the cathodes and what that means is that you're actually applying localized negative feedback to the tube, and while that does increase linearity, and it does increase uh, the bandwidth, yeah, which is looks- we're gonna we're gonna get to that a little bit later in this episode. Yeah. Um. It it uh, it actually makes signal, the signal the products of the distortion a little bit more complex versus not having any sort of feedback at all yes and so you're better off in a way of having a just a lower gain device and not having as much degeneration to begin with makes sense uh the other thing about degeneration is that it adds noise mm. wideband noise so uh so you're better off you know a, a tube that has lower amounts of gain and you don't have as much degeneration generally you're going to have less noise
0: see that's what i think about ax versus au but i didn't know that was the de- the degeneration that's that's largely the region could be yeah,
1: or or it's a really high gain circuit
0: and it's just the high gain is what i was <laughs> thinking yeah right?
1: and you're, you're hearing a lot of noise
0: higher than high it gain. needs to be yeah, yeah. uh well that's yeah uh, that's great so so yeah that's our that's our advice um think about the the tube pre you kind of got a lot of ingredients um, going on and you certainly enjoy what's going in your room now obviously um, you want to start tackling these other things yeah eventually um, we're, we're all on board for cable power cable experiments um, the speaker cables can make a big difference um, you know with a, a, a nicer speaker cable but yeah, this is this is really what you want cuz what you have is a pair of speakers that is not being used to their full potential, we think. We think there's some some great resolution and uh musicality on, left on the table here that you can you can uh, yeah. gather up and enjoy. Yeah, I I'd, I'd switch lanes if I were you. <laughs> cool. I like it. Okay, this next one is a uh, quick one from James Durdock of, So he see, tell us where he's from. Well, it's a long, lots of PPSs. No, we don't know where James is from. But his question is about three-prong cables and two-prong IECs. Hey, Darren and Duncan, love the show. I've been listening with earbuds while raking leaves, leaves a few times this fall, and it's made the job pretty enjoyable. I've always been a power cable skeptic. But both of you have a lot more experience than I do, so I'm taking your thoughts and experiences to heart. My question is regarding power cables for components with two-prong connectors. Most audiophile cables I see have a third ground prong, but some of my gear comes stock with two-prong power cables. I've searched the situation on the web, and the consensus seems to be that using a three-prong cable with a two-prong component is perfectly fine. Still, I don't fully understand what's going on there. I've heard you talk about different power cable designs and geometries. Is there anything specific I should be looking for when buying a power cable for a component that only has a two-prong IEC inlet? Uh, now he goes on and he shares his system, and then he shares some album recommendations. Now he does, um, his first PS is, Darren, I see dead stuff in your, in your room on the podcast website. Fellow deadhead here, any favorite releases as far as sound quality goes? i had to say that because uh, cause this the guy i'm sitting across from has what four terabytes or something like that uh, <laughs> of of dead recordings just yeah yep, somewhere. yeah somewhere i do it always come out good amount yeah good amount they always come out because oh but,
1: man you got me on the spot
0: mm-hmm. yep um Oh, if you want to think about that while I answer the question? Because I, I, I think it's, I have a straightforward sure. answer for yeah, his, yeah. his first question. Yeah. So the answer is yes, that's fine. Uh, three-prong power cable into a two-prong component. That's not going to hurt. It's going to be fine. And one thing Darren actually pointed out, the, the thing that I was thinking of, well, all you're going to do is have a ground line that's just sitting there. So there's going to be a little extra capacitance on the cable. <laughs> And I mentioned this to you and you said, yeah, and that's capacitance on the ground actually. Mm-hmm. And that's actually kind of a decent thing. Like that's not, it's not bad by any means. Um, and and the fact is there are just so many uh, designs of power cables out there with different geometries that have three prong connectors that, that don't exist for those two prongers. Most of the simple two prong IEC uh, equipped power cables that I've ever seen are, are of the stock variety, you know? And so, yes, that is perfectly fine. It actually might even be slightly beneficial. Um, so I think, I think that's a good thing there. Cause if you think about it on the, on the uh, wall side, you've got the ground connected to your ground on the component side, you've got the ground floating. And so to a degree, because you don't need to use this ground as a safety ground, you're actually using it as what I would call a drain uh, and and it's it's a path for RF to be collected and uh, you know whether from capacitance over the over the line in neutral and neutral and their proximity to this ground but but it's going to collect some of this RF and send it right down uh, the chute into your into your uh, into your actual earth ground on in your house so I think it's a great thing. <clears throat> Don't worry at all yeah, and actually um feel great about about that did you come up with anything yeah 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 so um
1: one thing that jumped to mind like one show that jumped to mind that i'm a fan of is um it's uh uniondale new york um uh march uh twenty ninth nineteen ninety okay okay so um that's that uh, yeah that's that's one of my uh that's one of my favorite recordings um specifically the uh, the vinyl of that mm. directly off of the tape um it's uh, I don't actually own that my friend has that on vinyl and it's it's really good <laughs> really good um yeah really good really? uh so um that's cool. one of my favorites and then um I'm always I'm a fan of a lot of the um like Dick's Picks uh, 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 records hmm. are always like really amazing, but that that's like a. I know you were looking for a show, so that's a third so party
0: that, that that
1: picks. Yeah, it's it's like random picks from like song by song from okay. random shows. Okay, like kind of compilations. Um, sure. but they uh, they used to put out. I don't know. I guess maybe they still do, but they were putting out records for a while. Um, and a lot of them were just mastered really well mm-hmm. as well. So really cared about, that. so, uh, yeah, Still check do. out that. If you don't have that show, I mean, you can buy it on HD tracks and you can, you know, stream it from Cobas and title. But, um, I do, I do remember the, um, I do remember like the record being outstanding, outstanding. like much better than the digital.
0: Of course yeah. the current dead crew De- dead and company with yeah. john mayer and O'Teal yeah. burbridge mm-hmm. they actually have a website with hd recordings and hd yeah. downloads which yeah. is so it's kind of like yeah a bands always cared about great sound yeah. which is awesome
1: i think i have about a yeah i've I've hundreds of gigabytes of of uh dead and co as well in, in hd love it sound, uh, directly off the soundboard sure um that, yeah, there there's some good stuff. A lot a lot of those are honestly, it's not as good as the like as far as the the mixes are concerned. I don't find them as good as some of the dead stuff, some of the older. Stuff. But you know, I mean, the dead were they they hired you know some best some of the best. pretty pretty great sound engineers uh, like John Curl to do the sound and
0: um yeah yeah no big deal so yeah <laughs> no big deal John Curl of John Curl of legend of hi-fi yeah john a pair of sound but many other things as well and and john just has
1: some ridiculous stories and we need to get him on working with
0: with the dead this is another thing we need to do john and darren actually have have connected a lot over the years and are kind of buddies so we really need to get john on the podcast yeah and uh that's a goal of us of ours to do soon yeah
1: we're gonna make that happen
0: all right. Thanks James for your question and, uh, best of luck there. Um, okay. One, one more. Usually we don't do this many, but, uh, we just want to blast through these cause we did get uh, a few last week and this is a quick one and kind of hitting on these quick ones. Uh, this comes from Antonio. I don't believe it's his first email. No, he's written before about a pair of, uh um, Tanoi autograph, Mini uh, speakers that I, at the time, I think I read that email because I love those little speakers. And Tony writes, Hi Darren and Duncan, I just finished listening to last week's episode, number 65, about preamplifiers, and I couldn't agree more about the with the magic and increased musicality after adding a tube pre. I learned a lot about design of the pre, slew rate, 100k ohms, etc. It's probably a bit too complicated for me, but I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Taking Paul's advice, Paul would be the P of PS, uh, PS Audio. Taking Paul's advice years ago, of going balanced whenever possible. I spent around a number of months uh, auditioning different preamplifiers. Thankfully, it's super easy to do here in Hong Kong. I finally chose a locally made pre audio experience a three here in Hong Kong. It fits the budget very well. And I got it last October. The unit has three 6922 tubes driving each channel. Okay. Six total. And it breathes more life into my DS DAC plus first watt J two combo. By the way, I love me a good first watt amplifier, especially the J2. You got to fix yours, bud. Uh, I have a J, and I need to fix it because yeah. I need that in my life. Yeah. I just looked at it the other day. Yeah. I need it. I need it on my desktop system. That's going to be killer. Which means that I kind of have it in my life. Yeah. Which means that you got to fix it. Which means, actually, you need to fix it. <laughs> or, you, or you need to help me fix it. Yeah. We're, we're going to get to it. We'll, we'll do it. There, I remember you looked Maybe at it once. Maybe over Christmas. You, yeah.
1: You staying for Christmas? Yeah,
0: I'm here. Yeah, all right. Okay. Maybe we should do it over Christmas. Yeah, I'll bring it over. I remember you looked at it. and You were like, oh, this isn't too bad. No. These, these things aren't blown. We just need to replace this, this. The, yeah. We'll be fine.
1: I think the bridge
0: rectifier is blown. Yeah. And... And it still has the original bridge. Yeah. And I haven't even started. I haven't even looked at that. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. That might just be what it is. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So let's get to Antonio's question. Question. Do you recommend changing tubes in the pre every year? I remember Paul mentioning about an annual thing, but maybe the tubes in the pre last longer. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, look, that's a great question. Yeah, and um, you know, I think uh, Paul. You know, Paul's dealing with a, a very large audience, um, mm-hmm. and you have to c- come up. You, you know, you have to deliver an answer that is going to um, be the right advice for the majority of people, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And and so. You know, a lot of people are not obsessive necessarily like you and I in the sense that we're constantly rolling and mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're take, keeping track of the life of the two. Oh, yeah. And, hour by hour. And when things aren't right, we kind of like, what's going on? Like, let's switch it out. You know, so, um, you know, I, I, if you're using it on maybe an average basis, considering, you know stock tubes and like for instance a bhk preamp this is basically what he's thinking here you know a, a year a year swap like a swapping the tubes yearly or annually is probably not a bad idea at all it's very good advice to keep your system you know at, at maximum um operating uh specification yeah you don't want performance you don't lose resolution no that you wouldn't And it's kind of like eyesight, like you don't really realize it going until you replace it. And then it's like, ah, so that's where Paul's coming from. Mm -hmm. He's saying, you know, replace them just yearly um, and you're going to be okay. You know, and it's like this answer that's going to be, you know, generally the best across the board for everybody. Right. Um, Considering that it's a BHK preamp and that, you know, the tube that we ship with. Um, now, once you get into NOS tubes, things change a little bit because the lifespan on some NOSs are dramatically higher. That's that's one thing, is that they back in the day, they made tubes that actually lasted longer than the ones that they make now.
0: For example, we were talking about 6DJ8. He mentioned 6922. Those are the same tubes, but 6922 are made to be more durable, thicker glass. Yeah. And... Uh, and seven three zero eight is even a, uh, be, uh, more than that. My understanding is, a little, I think that's the military version. Anyway, there's military versions of tubes that have extra thick glass, keep the vacuum that much longer, and yep. then and it's about the heaters as well. The heater life expectancy um, was high, higher in a lot of times. In, in well, the if you're,
1: you're, you know, you're uh, if it's like nineteen, you know, forty four and and you're, you're flying a bird and, uh, you get the, you know, the orders to drop the
0: bomb, you know, you want those loud and clear, you know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And we <laughs> you know, know those yeah, tubes. Tubes were used in Jeeps in the war, in the, in, in jets and airplanes. Yeah. Crazy stuff. So they needed to be, uh, incredibly durable and, and not Yeah. Out.
1: Vibration resistant too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other thing right. about. Right. anti Mil, mil spec tubes, mm-hmm. um, Low microphonics, low noise, uh, high lifespan, thicker glass gives you uh, lower, very high QC. Lots of lots thrown away. Mm-hmm. It's not that they got it, you know, right off the
0: bat. It's just that they discarded a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, now that said about yeah. Nos tubes, if you find a, a an exquisite pair like like I have with these, you know what year are they? Maybe they're earlier than the other bugle boys. We still don't know why they sound um, better on one system, but on that system, they're clearly better. So then, then I'm, you know, and, and that's the kind of system I have. I have a Lobby system at home and they, and they, they, they sound incredible. So now I'm, I'm looking at them as my reference tubes, which I won't listen to all the time. Right? So Paul's answer kind of talks about leaving the same tube I would say leaving the same tube in, at all times and, and you're you're looking at life expectancy my life expectancy for these is gonna i'm just gonna kind of ration them out i have, also have tubes that i really like yeah. as well that i'm happy to listen to all the time yeah it's like shoes you know you want to spread it out a little bit you don't want to wear the same shoes every day yeah so i'm not going to throw those in the trash after a year i'll tell you that much <laughs>
1: yeah i gonna have um, a lot left yeah, so, uh, you know, this is just, in the end of the day, this is a tough question to answer, you know, because there are so many different uh, situations that you can find yourself in. And if you're running, you know, if you're running stock tubes, like, for instance, in a BHK, um, you know, I echo Paul's advice. is just, just replace them once a year. Pick a date, and then every... You know, every year you replace your stock tubes yearly mm-hmm. and you're, you're going to, I like it. You're not going to forget about them and you're going to go two years and then be like, ah, for some reason I'm not enjoying my, yeah, my system and maybe I should change my speakers. What's going on here? And then meanwhile, you could change your tubes and just go, oh my God, there it is. Yeah. It's back. Yeah. You know, so that's what Paul's trying to avoid um and it's in my opinion it's uh sound advice um so yuck 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 uh (laughs) uh, but you know if you're running nos tubes you know really nice ones that you know came from a great source in my opinion you can get a lot more than a year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot more than a year and again it's how how often do you have the preamp on are are you a listener who listens two hours a day and then you shut the preamp off and it's sitting, you know, it's off for majority of the time. I mean, you're going to get, you know, a lot of lifetime out of those. Yeah. Um, But, but if you're like me who I, you know, I barely shut off my components at all. They're all almost always on. We're going to shut them um, off tonight though. I'll tell you that. Yes, they're God. they're, they're shut, Yeah, they're coming off tonight. We're expected to get uh, tomorrow morning, uh, you know, eighty to a hundred
0: mile an hour wind gusts. Yeah, in, in Boulder, so. it's a one in a, once in a decade a wind event that we're supposed to get. And then, of course, recently, and and our thoughts and, and hearts go out to yeah. any listeners that we have yeah. in the in the areas affected by these recent tornadoes. Yeah, absolutely. W- what a what an insane crazy situation hundreds of tornadoes created on these perfect conditions for tornadoes just in the middle of the night um so yeah so we're we're going to experience we're not going to experience tornadoes we don't have the same cold cold uh jet stream coming in to create that but actually yeah. we're going to have a crazy wind event that actually in the mountains is also going to accompany um very heavy snowfall and so it's going to be nasty blizzard Thankfully, we're in the foothills, and it's just going to be wind here. We think, yeah. but anyway, we're going to yeah. unplug all of our systems, and that's the yeah. type of thing you want to do,
1: right? Yeah, you just don't know of the, uh, you know, the the uh, electrical conditions on the line uh, when you get different, you know, inrushes or you get these uh, intermittent uh, AC conditions. Uh, it's just not something you want your system hooked up to. Yeah. Because you can get voltage spikes that can blow things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just want to uh, be cautious of those things. So tonight we're on plug-in. And uh, we actually have a thread on our phones of some local audio files. And, and we always, like, you know, if there's, like, a bad thunderstorm coming around or something like that. You we'll warn each uh, other. Yeah. And so a warning will go out. and Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um yeah All right. So yeah. that that yeah. answers the question. And uh yeah, six sixty nine or yeah, six total sixty nine twenty two tubes. It it might be a quite an investment to go down that NOS route that we were talking about tonight. we we're talking about preamps with yeah. two tubes. Might be might be worth might worthwhile, be worthwhile too. Yeah. I wanted to toss that in there. Yeah. Um and I know the
1: answer is kind of vague. Uh, and I apologize about that, but it's just, that's kind of the best answer that you possibly can give because it's, um, it's really a case to case basis as far as how much do you listen? It's kind of like a cartridge. It's like, how long is my cartridge on my phone? You know, on my turntable gonna, gonna last. It's right. Like, well, well, how often do you listen? How often do you listen? What yeah. are the records you listen to? Are they clean? Yeah. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So, so it does vary. Um, but with NOS tubes, you are going to get more than
0: a year out of them, very likely. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind. Yep. Uh, Antonio closes actually with a question about my power cables and he's asking if I've decided on a name yet. Um, yeah, I did. It's, uh, the, they're called common ground cables. Uh, I did set up a website, um, the the main model is the the whisper um but that's and that's undergone at least one revision uh which we kind of talked about last week but uh i've gotten a lot of interest lately um not a lot just enough to say um at this moment just because of the craziness in my life i think the best way to do uh this and to serve anybody that might be interested in exploring a, a power cable of mine Go check out uh, that website, CommonGroundCables.com. But reach out to me uh, via hi-fi at outlook.com. I'm gonna I'm gonna just do sort of a, a built-to-order type of setup, and we'll, you know what I like to do is talk about where is it gonna go, what's what's the current need, and uh, and really kind of dial in the design. Um, in weeks past, we mentioned that Darren bought a whole stack that I had. On hand, and I gotta say, man, I mean, I'm think, I'm, I'm hearing those things still burn in, but that system is so alluring these days, the Dunlavy system, mm-hmm. based on several things, but this is a big contributor. So yep, um, the the newest design is um, it's pretty interesting, and it's it's got a lot of um, a lot of juju. So um, rather than try to guess how many people want them out there and build up a bunch um let's just do a a case by case basis so you can always reach out to me at hi-fi at com. okay we need to get into yeah. our topic topic and i'm excited yeah i've been waiting for this
1: all right so the topic is uh gain bandwidth product of an amplifier yeah Um, and it is, I have to say one of the, um, more, uh, you know, heady topics that we've had on this podcast as far as from a technical perspective. Okay. And so, uh, one of my goals, um, here is to, I don't want to get too mathematical. I don't want to get too in the weeds. I'm going to attempt to break it down here. Um, you know, in the, given the time span that we have. Um, but, uh, the gain bandwidth product of an amplifier, um, the first thing that we need to talk about is essentially how do we develop feedback in an amplifier? Okay. You know, how do we apply feedback to an amplifier? And the first thing that we need to know is that in order to, apply feedback in an amplifier we need to have a certain open loop gain what's called open loop gain and what that means is that we we take the feedback loop and we break it Mm. and we uh we have a certain amount of uh gain that is open loop so for a second just forget about the feedback yeah so we just we just kind of disconnect the wires Uh, that are connected around the amplifier that creates this feedback,
0: and you already network. just mentioned in this episode and also in previous episode, yeah, feedback can reduce gain, it can degenerate gain right it can bring it down uh, well uh
1: feedback uh does that very thing so so that 's what i 'm i 'm uh describing right now is that uh let 's just take the feedback the global feedback out of this amplifier. And now let's apply a signal without that feedback present. And on the, if we take the output, and this is how we calculate gain in electronics, is that we take the output of an amplifier and we divide it by the input voltage. Makes sense. And this is what's called the, the transfer function of the amplifier. Um, and it gives you the gain of the amplifier. Uh so it's V out divided by V in traditionally for a voltage amplifier. Uh and so for instance if our input uh voltage is one volt and we get ten volts on the output, that's uh ten volts divided by one and we get a gain of ten. Gain of ten. Or twenty dB. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So so uh, that would be kind of traditionally the gain of an amplifier. Gotcha. But if, if we take, let's say that we take the feedback network of that amplifier. So you've designed the amp, it out.
0: You've designed the amp with a certain amount of gain and then feedback, and then you take the feedback off. Right. So that's that's notable right. because yeah, yeah. What, exactly. you pro- what what I would guess that you would yeah. get is more than than your target gain profile overall of the amplifier with the feedback. Yeah, so let's take the um,
1: let's take the feedback network now. Let's rip it out. So okay. we're completely tossing it out. We're cutting the wires off. Okay, this amplifier used to have a gain of ten, and now we're going to uh, put in a smaller signal. And the reason why we're putting in a smaller signal is because if we put one volt like we did before, we'd literally clip the amplifier, and it would just output a square wave because it would be hitting the rails. I was wondering. Okay. And the reason is is because the gain's gonna go up. Yeah. And the reason why the gain's going up is because we're removing the feedback, which is literally reducing the gain of the amplifier. Okay, so okay. now because we're taking feedback and there is zero uh, Amount of well, the amount of global feedback. Yeah. Remember, degeneration is localized feedback. Gotcha. Okay. Um, this is global feedback. Okay. So if we take away all the global feedback, we're going to get the open loop gain of the amplifier. Okay. So if we take that out, we rip that out, uh, and let's say now instead of one volt, we put one millivolt in, uh, and we measure the output. And what we what we get is we get um, one volt on the output. Okay. Now, uh, what that means is that we have one volt
0: divided by point zero zero one volts. I was, I was trying to think, millivolt is that 0.01? Oh, so it's zero yeah. zero one, zero zero one. So that a gain of a thousand? thousand. Okay, okay. Also known as sixty dB. Okay.
1: So in this amplifier now we have an open loop gain of sixty dB, um, and play.
0: I'm sorry. Tons. That's tons. Uh for it's an a, it's a,
1: it's a good amount, you for know. It, it's not uh not
0: for a pre uh funnel pre, but Well, uh
1: you know, for an op amp for instance, uh 60 dB is actually it's it's not a whole lot of open loop gain. Okay. Um so uh but but you know, that's irrelevant. I, this is just an example to understand how the I'm using uh you know, um attainable numbers, uh a kind of understandable numbers that are uh common numbers uh that are relatable between uh uh linear uh you know numbers and uh and d b gotcha for instance okay. so you know these these numbers like you know ten and a thousand are really relatable yeah. between you know decimal and d b so um yeah so so this this amplifier has a has an open loop gain of sixty d b or a thousand times uh it has a closed loop uh gain of ten d b or or i mean twenty d b or ten times right With so the feedback on so how much so so how much feedback does this amplifier have that's the question
0: yeah 40 db or 90 yeah it's
1: it's so the answer is is that it has 40 db of gain 40 db and the reason is is because you have 60 db of gain to work with and so you're applying 40 db of feedback and now you have 20 db of gain
0: Left over, right? Yeah. If you've ever played with an amplifier that's got switchable feedback, 40 is a lot. Yeah. Even in a two two tube amp that I'm thinking of. I think yeah, yeah. It a, at you're talking about something. power amps. Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm always thinking about power amps. Yeah, are yeah, you're, yeah. you're like, no amplifier is there. Here, amplifier is here. <laughs> this is an amplifier. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, right now, we we shouldn't be thinking about practical application. We should just be talking about these numbers. You know, just to understand, <laughs> just to understand what I'm trying to build Got up it. to. Yeah. What gain bandwidth product is makes sense. 40 dB. So. So we have a Down. we have an open loop gain and we have a closed loop gain. Yep. Okay, and the the amount of loop gain, which is the amount of feedback applied to the amplifier, is, is forty dB. Right. Okay. What this means is that you have forty dB is a hundred times. And a hundred times is um it, it means that you can apply that number to uh to the actual bandwidth of the amplifier as well. So now we're gonna say, mm. well, what is the bandwidth open loop? Okay, so what if the bandwidth is uh is a hundred hertz open loop? What is the bandwidth now when it's when it's uh, in this closed loop state with, uh, with 40 dB of feedback applied to it? So the answer is, and this is just in the actual notation, I, I uh, encourage you to take the gain bandwidth product literally in the sense that the gain times the bandwidth is, is a product product. Okay, all right, so so what you do is you take the uh, we're gonna take
0: the um, the closed loop gain, but it's not expressed in DB, the bandwidth. So you're thinking of how many times bigger is the open loop than the closed loop to find that multiplier, right? Which you will then multiply. Hundred hertz, but by a hundred hertz to find the bandwidth, right? Right. So,
1: so uh, for instance, the open loop gain or the open loop bandwidth in this amplifier is hundred hertz. Yeah, which right. is sad.
0: <laughs> well, it's
1: sad, but it's actually it's actually quite common uh, in in it, a lot of op amps. For instance, yeah, so feedback. So we're gonna take we're gonna take this we're gonna take this open loop bandwidth and we're gonna multiply it by the by the amount of feedback that we've applied to the system which
0: is 40 db oh okay so you are going to use 40 as the yeah as the unit yes to, okay so
1: so we're going to times it by 100 yeah okay, okay? so um so what we're going to end up with is that 40 is um i'm sorry 40k something like that uh well, bandwidth. no, we're gonna we're gonna end up with uh with about ten thousand. Okay. Okay. So so now what that means is that's ten K in in its overall bandwidth. Wow. Yeah. So an
0: amplifier that doesn't sound like enough.
1: Yeah, it it's not enough. It's not enough. That's that that's, that's just because there's not enough feedback applied to that amplifier. Do you need more open loop gain so then you can apply more feedback? You are correct. Okay. Um but but either way, I'm using, you know, uh easy numbers mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that make sense. Yeah. Um and and so you know, uh, this this amplifier, what we can literally do is take the open loop bandwidth of the amplifier times it by how much feedback that you're applying to the system and you get the bandwidth of that new of that amplifier with the feedback in it. So gotcha. feedback, feedback increases bandwidth. The more feedback that you have, the wider the bandwidth of the system. And, and it's, it's directly correlated, uh, in a multiplicative way, um, to, yeah, to this gain bandwidth product. So, so again, our open loop bandwidth, a hundred hertz are the amount of feedback also known as loop gain that we're applying to the system forty d b or a hundred times a hundred times a hundred is ten thousand, and mm. ten thousand is ten k ten cycle ten ten thousand cycles per second, and so this amplifier would have a uh, bandwidth of, of 10 K. So as you pointed out in an, in an audio amplifier, this is very, very, very far away from what we want. Right. And so what is a practical application of this? Um, You know, in, in an op amp, in a monolithic op amp, the, uh, a very typical value of its open loop gain is actually 10 Hertz. So a hundred was actually a little bit, yeah, You know, by a factor of 10, a little bit wow. much. Generous. So, so what you must come to a conclusion and, and for those listeners thinking right now of, oh, well it must have, then you understand what gain bandwidth product is, is that, oh, well it must have a lot of open loop gain. Bingo. You understand gain bandwidth product Got it. because cool. all of a sudden you know that in order to get the bandwidth, you must have now high open loop gain in order to apply enough feedback in order to get the bandwidth required in the system. Right. So a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, monolithic audio op amps are going to be 10 Hertz. You know, this is like the, Hmm. uh, this is like the OPA 2134 classic, classic, uh, op amp that's used, uh, still to this day in a lot of electronics. Okay. 10 Hertz open loop gain. Or uh, open loop bandwidth. Sorry. Um, now, what is its open loop gain at ten hertz? Uh, uh, so what we're going to be looking at is roughly. Uh, we're going to be looking at roughly a hundred and you know twenty dB
0: of of feedback yeah cuz you want to get well obviously want to get past the audio band
1: well yeah, and yeah. hopefully and then beyond. more so yeah. so uh, what we're going to be looking at is roughly an open loop gain and that's what i meant to say right there a uh, open loop gain of roughly 120 uh db okay and what is 120 db in in, in a linear sense as far as gain goes
0: so, uh, is it times 3 or what are you doing for well, that? Hun- well,
1: 100 dB yeah is is uh, 100,000. Okay. So what do you think 120 dB is? What's 20 dB?
0: 20 dB was what did Ten. we say?
1: 10. Okay. Okay, so so 100,000 and then add add uh, add 20 dB, you're you're getting so what you're getting now is 1 1 million. Gotcha. Right, because it's going to be a hundred thousand times ten Multiply. Yeah, yeah. So, so one hundred and twenty dB is Jeez. one million gain. Whoa, one million.
0: Now 1 that's million some gain, in, in to gain to work with. That, that is can,
1: now. Now you're now you're cooking. Now right? you can make some bandwidth. Now you can get some bandwidth. So this yeah. is the gain bandwidth product. This is what we're talking about. Gotcha. We're trying to gotcha. we're trying to get bandwidth out of the system. That it starts with ten hertz. Why? Why is it 10 hertz? Why is it 10 hertz? Mm-hmm. Oh, we can talk about that. <laughs> how, long, how, how much time How we much got? time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I will address that question. Um, I just want to uh, uh, finish this up sure, here. Sure. So so a 2134, uh, for instance, is going to have 10 hertz open loop bandwidth. It's going to have an open loop gain of 120 db at that frequency okay hmm. uh, which is 1 million times that's the gain so now we take 1 million and we times it by 10 and we get 10 megahertz 10 megahertz is the gain bandwidth product of this op-amp of 120 db open loop okay Okay. This means that if we take this op amp and we strap it in unity gain configuration, which means a gain of one, it's a follower in mm. voltage. Okay. Right, okay. right. right, right, We're right. applying maximum feedback to the system, which means we're applying 120 dB of feedback okay. to it because we're using all the open loop gain as feedback. Yeah. So we just feedback. end up with one, right? Right. Because one, get, one get times 120 dB bandwidth. equals 120 dB.
0: Yeah. What's the bandwidth so, like?
1: Well, the bandwidth is the gain bandwidth product. Yeah. Because it's right. it's 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 uh it's 10 times 1 million. 1 million. And, and we get 10 mega 10, yeah. 10 meg. So gotcha, gotcha. the the gain bandwidth product of the 2134 is 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 now 10 megahertz. Crazy. Okay, so so you went from 10 hertz open loop gain to to now 10 10 megahertz just like that easy peasy (laughs) and that is the gain bandwidth product you can kind of see it as a triangle that's the way it's it's usually drawn Hmm. and uh on on top you have uh the open loop gain at the very very top where you have a, a very narrow bandwidth of 10 hertz yeah and as you decrease got it the the gain yeah. and you're applying and then the loop gain is the difference on top from the peak to to that 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 area that you're moving down that's the amount of loop gain or feedback that you're applying to the system as you move that down you see that the triangle starts to widen right well that that width is the bandwidth, bandwidth. and Makes at the sense. very 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 bottom you have what a gain of 1 and you have maximum bandwidth and that maximum bandwidth, that's the gain bandwidth product. Okay. Okay? So we take that one, that gain of one, and we times it by the, uh, the overall gain of the system, and we get the gain bandwidth product of the amplifier. And in the case of the OPA 2134, that value
0: is 10 megahertz. So as, an, as a designer, you, is your job to try to, figure out where in that triangle you want to be or is it, or is it like, is it based on the product? Maybe your goal is to provide, make a unity gain product. So it's really about what your design goals are. Well, you know, uh,
1: in the case of using monolithic op amps, which means, you know, these are ICs. Um, you know, you don't have any control over the gain bandwidth product. You know, for instance, the OPA 2134, they're just like, Hey guys, gain bandwidth product, 10 megahertz, deal with it. Open loop bandwidth, 10 Hertz, deal with it. Okay. Gotcha. Um, What's the problem? Why, why? So you, you asked a really, really great question. Hmm. And that question was, uh, why ten hertz? You, you, yeah, you something yeah. in your mind? You were just like that doesn't make sense
0: for audio. Like why? Yeah. Why start, start off
1: with ten hertz? Why start there? Yeah. Why start
0: there? Right. I mean, I mean, my inclination would be because you know that you can get here with feedback. But as you've kind of mentioned, I think it was a recent episode where you're talking about a new product of yours. There's, there's benefit to. Well, you were talking about the linearity of the open loop gain and how, how that's something you want to focus on. I don't think you've talked about the actual gain product, uh, gain bandwidth product. No. So when I talk about, when I use the
1: word linearity, I don't just mean distortion. I mean also the bandwidth mm. of open okay. loop performance. Okay. Okay. So, so a, a 10 hertz bandwidth is just, it, it's horrible Sad. Me. It's, it's very, very sad. Okay. Yeah. Very, very sad. Um, So the question is, is why the hell would experts at, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, Burson and, and, you know, now Texas Instruments, why would they choose, uh, or I'm sorry, Burr-Brown or, or, or Texas Instruments. Right. uh, why, Why would they choose 10 Hertz for the 2134? Well, here's the reason, because you need to apply a certain amount of feedback to the system and you want that amount of feedback to be high, because that means that you're going to end up with a better, you know, performing amplifier. So Mm -hmm. higher amounts of feedback, lower distortion, lower distortion, is higher amounts of feedback, lower output impedance higher amounts of feedback, higher input impedance, higher amounts of feedback, uh, wider bandwidth because of game bandwidth bandwidth product.
0: These other things too. Okay, so all these things
1: start going in. The more feedback that you apply to the system, the better the amplifier gets technically. Didn't we say once that there's no free lunch in audio? Oh, a few times. (laughs) Yeah, and I've been told by some... You know some pretty venerable people in this industry, um, uh, or reminded uh, that very thing. Um, but I wanna I wanna stress uh, uh, something: is that you could easily have 120 dB of feedback for 20 kilohertz. So the, the next thing that we need to think about is why not. Have 120 dB of of open loop gain for 20 kilohertz, and then apply this system, and 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 uh, you know, and have an amplifier that now has an open loop bandwidth of 120 dB, and then apply all that feedback in a wide bandwidth sense. And now your gain bandwidth product is, you know, it's going to be very, very massive in the Huge. Sun. It's going to be huge. 100 megahertz, 1,000 yeah. megahertz. So. Gigs. Um, so here's the reason. The reason is stability. Okay. So uh, hmm. the, the issue, and, and I'm going to, this is going to be, um, maybe this is going to be a aha moment for some, Um maybe others uh i don't know maybe it won't mean much to you 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 don't really care but uh i'm gonna spill why monolithic op amps uh, are not as good as discrete op amps okay tell us and it's because of this very very topic of compensation okay so what the 2134 is using and the reason why it's 10 Hertz is because they're using what's called dominant pole and single pole compensation. Hmm. So they're trying to first thing, whatever there's going to be poles that are uh, intrinsically built into the circuit that things that you can't really change. Like for instance, the transistors are going to create certain poles in the high frequency response that you cannot control. Hmm. And so the idea around dominant pole compensation is that I will pick a pole that is more dominant than all those other intrinsic poles in the system. Um, it, Meaning it's at a lower frequency. So I dominate all the others. Okay. okay. I have control over all the others through a pole that I intentionally put in the system. Okay. That's the first thing. That's what dominant pole compensation is. The second thing is what's single pole compensation. That's six dB per an octave compensation. It's a single pole compensation in the in the in the uh, yeah. in the open loop network. If it was
0: multiple, it would be an increasing kind of yeah. Like so effect. second
1: would be right. twelve dB per an octave. Third right. would be eighteen and et cetera. Right. Okay. So why single pole? And so, as we know, with single-pole filters, we have to start out much earlier in order to get an effect. Yeah, and because it's very gradual. It's very gradual. And so, in order to get stability, and the conditions of stability are that it, we have to make sure this amp, the, the open-loop gain of this amplifier... Actually, you know what? I'm going to correct myself. The loop gain of this amplifier has a... Uh, it drops below zero dB, so it doesn't have gain, when the phase swings 180 degrees out. Okay, okay. Because we don't want positive feedback. If we had any sort of, of loop gain, while we had a um, loop phase that, sw- uh, that swings 180 degrees out from the pass band, then we create positive feedback and we create an oscillator. Okay, so that is the, the those are the conditions for stability in an amplifier. Okay. So in in it, so what we need to do is we need to make sure if we're going to have 120 dB of open loop gain, we got we have a lot of gain to attenuate, and we need to make sure it, at six dB per an octave, <laughs> we have to start out darn early, right? In order to uh, make sure that this amplifier is is stable. The pole is
0: the three dB down point, or yes. it just describes correct. the, the, yes, the shoulder as you're looking at a filter. No, like at where first, it actually it's, it's, yeah, it's three, three dB point. down point yeah. is
1: the is the pole. So you
0: got to move that down so that it's so that it's basically not creating this phase shift situation that would, would that would then with that much in, in gain situation, which we call. We call uh, the, the gain
1: margin and, and the phase margin of an amplifier. Okay.
0: I've heard of phase margin before. Yeah, so
1: f- phase margin just means that at zero dB gain, loop gain, which is the amount of feedback applied to the yep. system, how much uh, phase margin do we have from 180 degrees out? How far away from zero is it and how in, is it? No, at, at zero dB gain. Oh, at zero. At zero, how much? How much f- uh, from one eighty do we have? From one eighty, yeah, from one eighty. Well, I was, yeah. I,
0: yeah, I said the wrong thing, but I was thinking about its relationship to the susceptibility of going positive and creating oscillation. Yeah, well, that's yeah.
1: one eighty. One eighty is positive. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah,
0: got it. Okay. So,
1: so how mu- If if we're we're at one fifty, at zero dB, we have thirty degree <laughs> 30 phase, degrees. Thirty, to 30 degrees. At degrees phase margin gotcha. on that amplifier okay. gotcha okay And I, my recommendation is that you you want a little bit more than that buddy
0: <laughs> it's, that's a little close yeah pal. yeah it's a little a little close <laughs>
1: um the recommendation is actually i believe eight, uh 80 to 90 okay. degrees okay at, at at zero um i might be the type of fella to to run a little bit a little bit you know <laughs> slimmer yeah. slimmer phase margins um yep. And and I can describe maybe maybe why I have that uh, desire in power amplifiers. I I will abide by those rules just because of reactive loads and yeah, loads that I can't control exactly right. But in line uh, uh, amplifiers, I tend to maybe uh, uh, I side on the on the on having maybe a little bit less phase margin hmm. for for a reason, um, but. Anyways, um, wow. so so this so gain yeah so, so this is this is essentially the, um, the the those are the requirements for stability in an amplifier, and so we have, you know this this single pole compensation network, and we're starting out so early, we're starting at ten hertz because we need to roll this sucker off really early in order to meet these conditions for stability. And not only meet the conditions for stability, but the, but in the case of a twenty-one thirty-four, it needs to be unity gain stable, which means that when it's when all of the gain uh, open loop gain is applied as as, as loop gain, yeah, um, and the full gain bandwidth product is is realized, uh, that it still needs to be stable. So it's the ultimate condition for stability is is unity gain strapped
0: gotcha and that's okay. why
1: some op amps are not unity gain stable and some are you know, the gotcha. 2134 is unity gain stable um, you know again a very aggressive dominant pull single pull compensation in this in this op amp um, and guess what this right here is what separates monolithic ICS from discrete op amps. Okay, you're hearing it uh right from the horse's mouth. This is this is what separates the serious serious amplifiers from op amps. So if if you've ever heard the, you know, uh objectivist talk about the myth between oh monolithic or, you know, there's nothing beyond monolithic and and are just, you know, just magic. Well, it's not true. I can throw science right in your face. Right. So the reason why you, you the reason why monolithic's fail sonically is because they have measly open loop gain um or open loop bandwidth, bandwidth, right? Um they have great open loop gain but like, only for a certain bandwidth. Yeah. Um, they use single pole uh compensation uh where in a Uh, discrete op amp you can use uh two pole and you can use triple pole
0: well is it by nature because you have more decision making over the you have more ability to decide that uh no no, they would certainly uh there would be a ton
1: of uh semiconductor companies jumping on the triple pole compensation Hmm. uh very quickly if they could let me describe why you can't. Hmm. Okay. So triple pole compensation requires uh, a capacitor in series with a shunt uh, resistor to, to a ground or perhaps a negative rail, uh, which I have a little bit of a problem with, but we won't get into that. Um, and then a series capacitor in this network, hmm. another series capacitor. Okay. Okay. So what we have is we have a capacitor in series with another capacitor. What does that do?
0: Uh it's going to cut gonna cut gonna the happen. capacitance in half. Yeah, if they're the same value. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What that means is that uh you need large value capacitors. Gotcha. Impossible to make on a monolithic die. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it, that they, makes they can't make
0: the capacitor values. Okay. That's why they're doing single pole. Um wow it's like yeah they're making this decision for this thing over here because of yeah this and they're just kind of all trying to yeah. make it work and the last thing they're thinking about is audio and how it is how it sounds uh
1: well they don't have another option yeah they they yeah. have to deliver a product that works and it has to be small
0: yeah. right yeah it has, well, to, it be has on to be that well monolithic to be, oh yeah yeah
1: it has to be in the in the in monolithic yeah uh you know like a, like a dip dip eight package or a soic eight package i mean yeah, yeah tiny you, you have a you have a x amount of space on a die for two amps usually you know it's right. usually dual huh. um in a very very small area and you know as we know about capacitors it's all literally about surface area right um and dielectric um are some of the largest um contributors to uh, capacitance. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to make a capacitor on a die, you know, so you, you already have a fixed dielectric that you're dealing with. And then it's all about surface area. Well, the next thing that you could, you know, come to the conclusion there is that, well, you're going to have, uh, you're only going to have, uh, you know, maximum capacitance values that you can create out of that
0: yeah yeah there's gonna be limits
1: yeah there's gonna be definitely limits due to just real estate alone yeah and surface area you know and and the die is a really it's a um it's a really bad uh environment for a capacitor you hmm. know because you don't really you can't really get you know parallel um you know uh surface areas on yeah. it you with, know it, it, it's really about traces and trying to just build up that surface area through traces it's it's not uh you know it's not really conducive to create high value capacitors um so this is a big problem and and also these op amps are not meant necessarily for uh you know for people with uh they're they're they're, they're, they know they're meant for even undergraduate students to wire it up on this breadboard with tons of inductance and capacitance all over the traces and it right. still worked. Right. I right. mean the thing has to be stable, you know, to the nines. Yeah. Yeah. Um so again, that's kinda like dominant pull compensation at work there. Interesting. Um and not every op amp operates under this um Uh, consideration like for instance uh, one example of an op amp that doesn't quite operate like this is the 8797 which is a really fantastic monolithic design Mm. Um, it it is probably not going to be very stable in many events like you you have to like in many events where you have a huge breadboard with all these parasitics around it um, you have to pay attention to the layout you have to try to minimize um, capacitance in certain nodes of the circuit and and this is basically because the uh the ban- now the open loop bandwidth is a uh it's a it's a massive 10 or 100 hertz uh <laughs> open loop bandwidth whoa yeah. <laughs> yeah um and you know it has a high uh it also ha- it has 120 dB uh, um, gotcha. Uh, amount of uh, open, loop open loop gain, gain. at hundred hertz. So now we're talking about ten times right the uh, the gain bandwidth product of the twenty one thirty four. So we get to now a hundred meg part, which is I mean that's you know it's quite high bandwidth. Yeah. Um, now uh, I don't believe the eighty seven ninety seven is a unity gain uh, uh, stable part. But still, in strapped in into a six dB configuration, you're still talking about you know a fifty megahertz design with a six dB of of of, uh, of gain. Um. So, anyways, this is really the crux of the monolithic world, which is yeah. the the IC world, and uh, and this is this is pure. You know, this is audio science at work. I'm not applying any sort of subjective nature to this. No. Okay? Uh, discrete op amps can provide higher-ordered uh, compensation that offer a wider open-loop bandwidth that allows you to have more consistent performance across the audio bandwidth without it changing. Now, the objectivist argument is is that, no, we have decreased the uh we've decreased the distortion and increased the bandwidth to a point where it's not audible anyways so even though it rises at the top of the frequency spectrum it's so low it's not even audible anyways so we've we've dealt with that so your argument of having a more linear open loop path is not valid yeah and the problem with that is that uh you have uh actually something called a frequency modulation distortion that is due to the phase shift that's in band mm. um, that is very, very audible. Um, and so that's something that they don't take in consideration. Gotcha. Uh, and then the other thing is that, and this is this is a bit more of a subjective argument, but I just can't help myself. Um, I am constantly, uh, <laughs> I'm a huge supporter of why not just make the open loop path more linear in more high linear. end audio? I understand yeah. in affordable yeah. audio, I understand mobile audio, I get it. Yeah. Stick to your chips. Small That's is beautiful.
0: Stable That's, is beautiful. Oh yeah. There, yeah, it's yeah. all great. Yeah.
1: But but here we are in, you know, uh, throwing money at whatever we can to get ultimate performance, ultimate sound quality. Yeah. My argument is why not make the open loop path as linear as possible? And I have done tests on this, uh, both objective and subjective. And I will tell you that the the open loop, the the open loop linearity correlates with audio quality. Hmm. It does. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and so I have discrete op hmm. amps that use only a hundred times um, gain, which is you know only forty dB of gain. Yeah. Wow um they have that's open uh, loop gain uh, yeah like gain? this okay. one op amp that i'm uh designing right now uh only has uh open loop, uh, an open loop gain of uh of 40 db oh okay um its gain bandwidth product is uh is 13
0: megahertz <laughs> so okay so that open loop bandwidth is killer.
1: So see this is gain bandwidth product so yeah. instantly you jump to, oh, I know the open loop bandwidth yeah because I understand gain bandwidth product. Yep. Now you understand how this all correlates. Gotcha. Um, yep. so, so what that means is that I have a roughly 130 kilohertz open loop gain. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a little bit different than 10. Than 10 hertz. And that must correlate. That's got to sound better. Must correlate to sound quality. Yeah. And it does. And it, and it does. And it does. And it does. Killer, dude. So, anyways, that's gain bandwidth product wow. and uh, the difference between monolithic ICs and discrete op amps.
0: Darren, thanks so much for that. Yeah. I love... You're welcome. See, this, this whole podcast generated out of some of these kind of things that we're really Darren talking and me really struggling to keep up, but eventually getting there and and somewhere. And hopefully some of you really connected with this too. I think, I think we have a lot of great listeners who are ready for this kind of thing. I I know we do actually. This is, this is exciting. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. You're welcome. really appreciate Yep. Um, anybody that needs to just rewind a little bit, listen to that again and, uh, take notes and, um, very, uh, very very great insight for something that that is very much a part of your world and the more we think about it the more we look around Mm. very much part of our world as as music listeners and audiophiles Mm -hmm. makes a big difference Mm of course we care about the it sounding better oh yeah yeah that's why we're here it's a little little important that's why we're here yep so all right right. uh i think it's time for the The album album of of the the week. week I'm excited about this one because I came in to your house with some ideas. We've been sharing some albums. There's a few that are excellent that um, we're going to have to pass on this week because because you played this album uh, on the Dunlavy system and it was just so live sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We're in Christmas season holiday season we do have listeners all around the world yes this is the the you know the holiday season now when you say that and you go look for holiday music the the majority large part of it is is Christmas music um you know that's fine if you look at at actually um, a lot of older music a lot of it is is religious in nature because that's just kind of a a theme and a reason to like i guess lift your voice and sing. Now as music appreciators, we don't have to be religious to to appreciate some some really great music. Now as also uh people that in in uh participate in the the Christmas holiday season, there's so many standards at this point that it's It's really it's like a genre like blues, right? Or like country or something. Right. Well it's the opposite of blues, you know. It's not It is the opposite of blues. You know, it's you don't have the you know, you're not down. Like kind of the opposite of the blues. Yeah. But I know
1: what you meant. But it's and it's also
0: something we dust out once a year. Right? So it's it's special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it's jolly. We wanted to pick some jolly music for everybody and uh had some ideas but you just kicked my butt with this. You know, cuz cuz hearing is believing. Hearing is believing in this in this thing. And I'm and I'm walking in and as soon as I hear the ride cymbal, like I I okay, I get it. Okay, cuz it's got that lower treble energy and, and and realism and then as soon as I heard that kick drum, I was, I was totally sold. That's so hilarious cuz that reminds
1: me of, you know, Tim Allen's uh the Santa Claus
0: yeah that you know, movie it, right the, where he seeing is believing
1: oh yeah, yeah that's okay, a line sure. in it oh you know it? about yeah but the, yeah, about the yeah. but like he's at the north north pole and he's drinking this it's hard, rum it's hard to believe you know and he's just kind of like real. you know i see it but i don't believe it
0: right you know and he's like so well, seeing is believing well yeah you know hearing is believing hearing you know? is believing in the audiophile hobby mm-hmm. I, I say that plenty of times because it, and you know Sometimes you you hear it first and then you search for the scientific rationale. I think that's what happened with our t- our two situations. Right? Tonight. We heard it now. We're now we're searching for okay, why could it be? Anyway, that's going to come later. But we believe it, right? Yeah. So great, great recording. The 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 problem is that two things. <laughs> the name of this album is called Christmas Candles, which yeah. just. It's so cheesy. It's not flattering. It's so cheesy. And it actually says "A Smooth Jazz Christmas 2020" on the on the album cover, which this is not smooth jazz number 1. It's no, it's really not. It's not. No, absolutely maybe not. at like mo like maybe like moments but like it's a jazz it's not trio really. or it's, quartet it's a com- yeah, it's, it's combo jazz that's happening no in fact yeah. darren and i are angered by the fact that they put the word smooth jazz on this yeah this is no like ripping tins or something you it's know? it's not descriptive of it and it's actually like denigrates this awesome awesome like performance from this combo yeah, nothing against foreplay you know nothing but, yeah. against actual smooth jazz like Kenny G and like you know so whatever the 90s kind of stuff that, that were on the, the channels it's just yeah, not yeah. smooth jazz but the cool thing about it saying smooth jazz on the thing and having a title Christmas Candles is we think none of you are gonna <laughs> would have heard of this because even if you see it pass by your, any recommendations on kobas you're going to yeah. skip it because you know we know our, our listeners our listeners are our music heads, like we are, you know, probably musicians, many uh, out there, and we're here to tell you uh, this one is not only great, yeah, it's spectacular.
1: It is of a recording. excellent, and I know that, like, you know, come Christmas morning, and you're all jolly, and you jump out of your bed, and you know, you want to run to your system and get the the tunes cranking before right. you know opening the presents in the mm-hmm. tree that. This is this is a, a track or this is an album that you're going to want to hear out of your system. Agreed. You
0: you know it, I think it's you listen live to the music. Thing. It's so live sounding. It's so live. The kick drum reminded me of when you're in a jazz club and they mic the kick because they're probably bringing everything up to the mix of the cymbals or something. And so the kick's mic'd, and the kick is being played. It's it's usually got a sub in the in the thing, but it's also got these. 12 inches or maybe 18 inch pa speakers and something about the kick in a real jazz club Mm -hmm. actually kicks you it's it's more than in these instantaneous moments it's more than the other stuff puts out as a more sustained kind of instrument yeah kick was real and i was so lit up by listening to this in your in your system it was lit it was lit Yeah. yeah and then the cymbal work i think what you you described first was the drums he's like the drums and then you were like well what about drums? this track the yeah. electric guitar the bass guitar? oh yeah 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 do you remember what track that was i do was I it do. god rest you merry gentlemen or was it a different one no it was the smooth jazz one well where, i was talking it's... about the track
1: no it actually says smooth jazz Ew, on the track on the track yeah go down <laughs> a bit
0: yeah i see it hold on I'll, uh, it's no um, you're right
1: yeah it's a uh, smooth jazz christmas 2020 that's it uh, a smooth jazz Christmas 2020. Why would any of us listen, dude? The the audacity to put 2020 in a track <laughs> after the year that 2020 was. <laughs> yeah, good call. Actually, something about this album just the, you know what? It sounds right, but it doesn't smell right. They... <laughs> yeah. I love that. I'm. I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna recommend it. You they know marketed I mean? this all wrong. This something album is about expl- know, 2020. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. I'm sorry about. Sorry about the smooth jazz you know, and the 2020 and 2020. And more about the 2020 than anything else.
0: This. I know we don't, we don't want to relish in 2020, but whatever. Yeah, we're, we're, we're past it now. So, so um, as always, we're going to have this on our website, www.thehifipodcast.net. A picture of this horrible front uh, image for, for the album <laughs> is going to be there. It really is um, great, though. Just... Yeah. What is it on Cobas and Tidal or just Coba's? I believe it's just Tidal. Oh, okay. That's great. What, yeah, I believe it's only Tidal.
1: I, yes I it is, you're right. Wrong, and it's it, in okay. Flack and it's thirty four right. yeah. sixteen.
0: It's only title. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm gonna have to go find this when I get home, um and add it. So thankfully I have Kobas and title. I can do that. Yeah. And um uh, highly recommend it if you've got rune. Just pour them both in there. Do it. It's great. So we're gonna have yeah. this on the website. Um uh, we're gonna have it also on the albums page. It's always gonna live on the albums page. The website always just shows whatever's going on uh for the week, but uh we hope you can get past the title A Smooth Jazz Christmas 2020 The Best Slow Sax and Piano Xmas Background Songs Around the Fire. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like I wish I could, why? You could see his his face right now. It <laughs> makes me angry. It's, it's such okay. good music. It's a killer killer sizzling happening combo recorded as well as I've ever heard. I don't know. Anyway, trust us. It sounds fired up on a great system and you're going to you're going to say thank you as yeah. you as you drink guzzle that eggnog
1: yeah. yeah that's right yeah that's right it it it, it, it sounds sounds very good <laughs> it smells
0: kind of odd it smells i love that yeah quick review from darren just quick like just like eggnog yeah sounds good yeah. smells weird all right well so. thanks for listening uh again you can check that out on our website but with that oh and thanks darren again for that that wonderful explanation of um of the gain bandwidth product, and congrats again on your uh, you. success with your M twelve hundred amplifiers and, and being recognized by uh, the Absolute Sound. But with that, this has been another episode of the Hi Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan. I'm Duncan. I'm Darren. We'll catch you next week. All right. See you guys. Bye. The Hi Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan is produced by Darren Myers and Duncan Taylor. It's copyright two thousand twenty of Slope Productions. The intro and outro music is provided by Denver's Color Red Studios and features the song Bangs by the band Many Colors.